0: You know we're doing Michelle Von Emster, right? No. Yeah, yeah, Michelle. But, um, I think I think I mentioned this to you. Oh wait, yeah, I did. I gave you like a top line of this, like a rough top line. This is like a mysterious death. Okay. So it's a little different. It's not quite an unsolved case. Um, could be considered like a true crime case, but this is really going to be one where we'll get to like talk through some theories about why this doesn't make sense. So, and we haven't done one like okay. this. So I think it's going to be cool. Yes.
1: Okay, I'm so excited.
0: Now. You said you hadn't really heard the name or, like, anything beyond what I top-lined for you before, right? Like, you'd never heard this before I mentioned it? No. Okay, then I'm gonna dive in. I don't really have a top-line for it. I was just gonna run you through, like, the whole story, like, start to finish. Do you want to dive in?
1: Yeah, oh, I'm ready. Oh,
0: duh, but before I do, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Do I have something wrong with me? Like, why do I always forget to do this? (laughs) Like...
1: No, because we just get on and we get excited because we're like, hey, 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 like friends and friends, we talk, 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 and then we forget we're like actually doing a podcast. I'm so
0: sorry. Creepers, hi. Welcome to Creep Time, the podcast with Silas Dean and Stu. We're back.
1: Hi, everybody. Oh, also... I should take some of the burden. <laughs> I could also, I could also do an intro.
0: <laughs> I just, I'm just
1: a lazy sack of shit No, over here. no,
0: no. I just, I all, like as I'm like running like with the conversation, and I'm like about to jump into research. That's always the moment where it clicks, and I'm like, oh, shit, I, I haven't done like any of the things we're supposed to do, which is say hi to the creepers. Um, welcome back to a Friday episode. Um, what are the things we usually go through? Oh, yeah. If you're not already, please make sure to follow the podcast, which, Stu, we've had some huge momentum in the last, like, week or so. We've almost tripled our listenership. (laughs) So, the magic of TikTok, baby. The magic.
1: I know. Oh, my gosh. Thanks to everybody that's been listening and sharing it. Like, it's so cool.
0: I know. It's been a very exciting week. It was, um... I don't, I don't want to say it was like slightly unexpected because I feel like I really went hard this week with promo on TikTok, but we should also talk about that for a second too, because TikTok is legitimately yeah. like in the fire right now.
1: Yeah. You kind of like updated me on it last week, but has it gotten worse?
0: Their CEO is testifying before Congress. I don't know if you saw that <gasps> anywhere. Yeah. It's like bad, bad kind of shit. Oh my
1: God. No. For any of the
0: creepers who don't know. To give you like a two sentence top line of this, essentially for the last couple of years, Meta, the parent company of Facebook, has been lobbying on both sides of the aisle politically to get TikTok banned. Um, and they're kind of posing it as a threat because you don't really have to be famous or wealthy to get like major messaging to a large audience. It's kind of a democracy of social engagement. So that's how they're getting politicians on board to ban TikTok. And Meta's incentive is that they're hoping that everyone will just kind of like they'll catch the fallout audience. And everyone's just going to go over to Reels on Instagram and Facebook because no one's going to YouTube Shorts. (laughs) No one's going. No. So it's fun now because now that TikTok knows that like their feet are like really in the fire, um, there are a lot of creators who are obviously speaking out against this and it's like um, oppression of free speech. Like there's a lot of angles people are taking, but like TikTok is really like pushing that messaging out through their creators. So it's like a little, it's a war. It's like a corporate war.
1: Have they, like, been asking creators to speak? Like, have you been asked to no, speak out about not. it? Nothing formal okay. like
0: that. But, like, you can almost tell, like, what's going on behind the scenes with the algorithm because every other video wow. is a creator exposing this story. Because it is truly a story of, like, conspiracy, modern-day conspiracy. But um, Facebook's just basically using their stance and money to try to win over audiences.
1: Also, sidebar, there was a guy in my office this week that was legitimately trying to make the argument that Mark Zuckerberg is a handsome man.
0: That's um where is this person from? I'm just curious because I have a, <laughs> I have a little theory. I have a theory.
1: <laughs> this person this person is from I think Maryland. Oh god <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> So maybe maybe Zucks maybe Zucks is like a Maryland
0: Eight. Oh my god, he reminds me of like, he's like a caddy boy who never wore sunscreen, is the only way I could describe Mark Zuckerberg. Yes. Oh, that's foul, Stu. I don't know why Marilyn just like set me off.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so accurate. It is, like Mark I, I, I know what you mean. Okay? Yeah. I can't even say his name. Mark Zuckerberg, Marilyn. The Zuck. And handsome. Yeah, the Zuck. The
0: Zuck. Yeah, I don't know if those those three components go together. Zuckerberg, Mm -hmm. the Zuck, Maryland, and handsome. It sounds a little bit like oil and (laughs) and water. Um, (laughs) So I'll get us off the Facebook track. Um, One more time, I'll just say again, thank you to the Creepers from Stu and I. We are so, so grateful, like we said before, for all of your support. It's been really exciting. If you're not already, please do follow the podcast on whichever platform you're listening. Make sure to turn on notifications. That way you never miss an episode every Friday. And oh, one more thing. Last thing I'm supposed to promote. I'm going to be at Parapod Festival Next weekend? Yes. Next weekend, oh, I'm yeah! a pan- uh, yeah, I'm a panelist at Parapod Festival, Saturday, April 1st in Santa Clarita, California. If you haven't already, please get your tickets, and I will see you there. I'm going to have merch. I'm going to meet. I'm going to greet. I'm going to talk.
1: I am... Oh, my God. I'm going to just try to follow every little bit of it, like, on the internet that I can. I am so shook by the whole lineup. Like, you're going to have a blast, <laughs> creepers. If you can if you are interested in parapod go check out their website and see the cast of characters including silas that are gonna be there because it looks like it would be so fun
0: it's gonna be it's gonna be wild yeah i think i might go the friday night before too because that's when they have like the haunted house walkthrough with a medium she we're performing we're doing a group sans stop <laughs> you really should fly in <laughs> you I would die might just
1: surprise you <laughs>
0: And I am going through all this contract right now with, um, as far as, like, setting up a vendor booth. That is so involved. That is so overwhelmingly involved. Like, all the things you have Mm -hmm. to, like, you have to check off and prepare and, like, do you want, like, a Wi-Fi box for your vendor booth? I'm like, oh my god. It's a lot of admin. It's a
1: lot. Yeah. Damn. (laughs) Well, with that,
0: let's distract ourselves with a mysterious death, shall we?
1: (laughs) Oh, let's do it.
0: Now... Okay, jumping back into Michelle Von Emster. Now, Michelle Von Emster, I'll just like refresh a little bit because you probably know a sliver of this. She was a young woman who grew up in San Carlos, California, which I'm not sure, but I think that's either right within San Francisco or it's just outside of it. And she grew up with her four sisters, which that sounds like a lot of, that's a lot. Could you imagine if you had four sisters too?
1: no having three brothers like if
0: your brothers were swapped up for sisters how yeah I drastically would. different would be my whole you life would be different
1: <laughs> my whole life would be different
0: that's, that's a like very being unique experience in a
1: experience. Built-in sorority yeah
0: <laughs> so she had these four sisters attended an all-girls school which she graduated from in 1986 so the story actually doesn't really take place until we're in like the early to mid 90s in California so she would attend college for a couple of years, but her studies are actually cut short because in her sophomore year, she's diagnosed with cancer, surprisingly. Um, and she does leave school that year and she beats cancer. So it I like couldn't find anything in the reporting about what kind of cancer she had when she was a sophomore in college, but uh, it kind of changed her whole perspective on life. like she did not want to take a single moment for granted. So once she does beat it, she does not return. To school, she just kind of decided she's going to live her life, and I don't think college was as much of a pressing concern in the early to mid '90s. I don't know what would you say.
1: I mean, definitely. Also, cancer as a sophomore in college. I know, oh my lord.
0: Like, yeah, very, very it's rare. It, rough. Yeah, I and know. rare. I don't know. Like I said, I I couldn't figure out which type of cancer it was, but she she did beat it. Um, she was cleared as like cancer free within a year, so hopefully they caught it very very early. It sounds like, but it did mm-hmm. set up kind of like. It's a very, like, tragic um, parallel to what happens just a few years later after she does that to sort of beat the odds of something that's so statistically rare for her age and then falls victim to something else that is categorically statistically rare just a few years later when she becomes the victim of whatever it was that happened to her because we still don't know. So you get the picture, though. She's kind of a free spirit. She changes her perspective. She does not want to go back to school. She just wants to live her life and just kind of hustle through and, like, Like, work to live, not live to work kind of thing, right? So she starts moving around a lot around this time. And one of the first places that she goes is San Diego, where she lives right by the water. And I think she rents a small house. So I couldn't, like, figure this this out from some of the reporting, but it sounds like she maybe had a little bit of savings or, like, a little bit of money when she first moved out. Because after this, she does start moving around a lot throughout the years. But it's like every time she moves in California, she's downgrading where she lives like she's it's a smaller place or it's like latching on roommates or it's a room she's renting out and the neighborhoods are getting progressively worse which i think does kind of play into some of the mystery around Mm. what happened to her and where she ended like where she was around this time now at the same time she's not all too concerned about a career like i said she's kind of hustling through minimum wage jobs and just enjoying her free time I remember this as I was like writing this research because I heard such a good quote. Somebody was saying about free time. They were like, I have a lot of free time and I'm trying to keep it free. I have to keep it free. And I was like. (laughs) Who said that? I don't know. It was on some podcast and they were like, I have free time. And they were like, oh, that's great. So you can do all these things. They're like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm working to keep the free time free.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. This compulsion to fill your free time. Don't do it. Keep
1: it free. don't do oh my god do nothing. I need I needed to hear that today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no she eventually does end up in Ocean Beach. This is the final location where all of this goes down. so that's important. Now the area was described as Bohemian in the 90s like a lot like a younger crowd. Um, I guess you could you would consider it like if it was comparable to a modern day neighborhood it's very hipster. A lot of younger kids in their 20s who were just kind of figuring things out. But it was really affordable, which was the draw. But it did have an excessively high crime rate. And the part of the neighborhood where Michelle lived was actually nicknamed the War Zone. It was so rough. Mm. But this did not bother Michelle. She was just excited to be living near the water because she's described as someone who loved the ocean. She had this obsession with the ocean and would actually go there every single day to meditate. That was a part of her like daily ritual. So, when does this all go wrong? On April 14th, 1994, Michelle's now 25 years old and she's living in the area. She's in Oceanside still, and she has a roommate named Coco Campbell. It's a fabulous name.
1: I was going to say, love
0: it. <laughs> this is coming off of our drag race conversation.
1: I know. <laughs> it does sound like that. <laughs> it
0: does, sound. Like that. Well, there is a drag queen named Coco Peru, right? Coco Peru. And her tension tangles. There's a bunch
1: of Cocos, right?
0: There have to be. It's it's such a classic drag name.
1: Yeah, isn't um the classic, like, girl, look how orange you are? Wasn't her name Coco?
0: I think you're right, yeah. <laughs> you're
1: right. <laughs> that also might have been the most monotone delivery of that quote ever. <laughs> girl, look how orange you
0: are. <laughs> it was like you were reading a transcript in court.
1: <laughs>
0: the plaintiff said to the suspect... <laughs> Girl, look how oh, girl. orange you are <laughs> <laughs> Now to ba- back into the story. So what happens on April 14th this evening? So they're set Coco and Michelle to go to a Pink Floyd concert that night, and upon arrival, they are hit with such sh- news that they were scammed they didn't they bought the wrong tickets is what it said in the reporting, and I'm like, okay, so they were scammed like they got them from scalpers mm-hmm. or something. Has that ever happened to you, by the way? I've, I've never been met with no. that situation because that would suck. Awful. It'd be so
1: But sh- damn, how are they doing that
0: in the 90s? What, like scammers? Scalpers?
1: Well, I guess when I'm thinking of like scalpers, I think about like online, like Ticketmaster oh, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. like. If, no, we're talking old then, school, just,
0: like outside of the box office, school. guy with a trench yeah. coat, a scalper. Yes. That's what I, wow. think when I think. I think of like a movie version of a scalper. <laughs> yeah. The guys that come up to you with the trench coats and they go, "Do you want to see? You want to see this? You want to see that? I need one of those for Broadway. I need one of those in New York."
1: I'm like, "Isn't that just a perv?" Just <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a flasher. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, like God. they're not limited. It's Friday. I swear to God, we have not been drinking.
0: I mean, oh, I've, I've got this large coffee, and to me, it's comparable to a vino at this point. Ooh, is yeah, that just agua, hydration, girlie. Which is agua.
1: Yeah, I don't drink water, like, ever, so this is rare.
0: It has to be in a tumbler for you to get it down the gullet. That's how it it works. It has to be
1: in a literal, like, stemless wine glass for (laughs) me to get it down.
0: Now, what happens now? So they realize the tickets are fake. So, obviously, they're sad about this, and uh, they kind of just get back into Coco's car to head home. But while they're passing the pier, Michelle turns to Coco, and she says, Hey, like, would you mind dropping me off at the pier? This is around, like, 8 p.m., I think. Now, Coco does this, which feels odd to me because it's like, it's night and it's not the safest area. So I don't, doesn't that seem, I don't know, that seems strange maybe in like our minds to drop a friend off at a pier, but they only lived about six blocks away from the pier. So maybe not. Maybe it would have been the situation like if she's going to go home, like Michelle's her own person. She's going to go out and like stroll the pier at night if she wants anyway.
1: Yeah. That's weird. Like, she just wanted to be dropped off just for, like, alone time?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I, okay. It sounded like from the story that this wasn't uncommon for her. Like, she would go on, like, night walks. And I know I know people like that. I know women like that, too, who love yeah. to go on night walks and just, like, clear their head. But it just seems strange, I think, in the context of me reading it, knowing that it's a dangerous neighborhood and it's pitch black. Yeah. I don't know. Something about the ocean at night is freaky to me.
1: Ominous. Yeah. It's yeah, a little
0: bit... It's same. almost, like, liminal. It's liminal yes, in a weird way because it's, it's
1: exactly what the word is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like I, I don't want to see it in that context because I only know it when it's populated, when it's sunny, when it's vibrant and energized. But seeing it like desolate and just the abyss is strange.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, I'll get off my tangent. So keep in mind, it's only about six blocks from the apartment. So Coco's like, yeah, sure, it's no problem. Like, cool your head. She's probably really upset still about the tickets. So Coco reportedly stops the car, drops Michelle off, and this is exactly at 8pm when she sees her leaving. Michelle leaves the car on foot, she's wearing a green trench coat, and she's carrying her purse because it's a bit cold that night too. This would mark the last moment that anyone saw Michelle von Emster alive that night. Michelle did not return home, that goes without saying. She never comes back to the apartment, and the following morning, a harrowing discovery was made there is a large flock of seagulls that are kind of swarming this area of the beach um, by sunrise. And it's right near the sunset cliffs. So a couple of surfers who were out early in the morning to like, you know, be in the water, they noticed this and they go over to the area to investigate where they discovered the naked body of Michelle Von Emster floating in the water face up with her eyes fully open. So, a retrieval crew comes, um, they're brought in to remove the body from the water, and immediately a medical examination would take place. But this is when things started to seem strange right off the bat when they're looking at the body. So the first odd detail um, is that Michelle had not been in the water very long. It wasn't very clear like what time the surfers found her, but eventually like this plays into the examiner's timeline of like how long she could have been in the water, but it could not have been more than a few hours because her skin was not wrinkled that's like a telltale sign of a body is waterlogged i guess but hers had not been in there for a very long time at all she had sustained very large wounds on her body described as tearing type wounds on her skin where large chunks of flesh were missing but of the most obscene of her injuries was the absence of her right leg stew. the leg was completely severed from about mid thigh down and it was never found. They, they never found it in the water. Injuries around her neck, ribs, and pelvis um, were also pretty severe. She had a fully broken neck. Um, her face and body were covered in scrapes, lacerations. And the initial assumption, just from the visual of Michelle's body, was that this was some sort of abnormal and extremely violent shark attack. Uh, like, how mm-hmm. else could you explain the missing leg, right? Now, during the autopsy... One of the strangest details that they found were copious amounts of sand that were in her stomach, her lungs, her throat, and her mouth. Her mouth was almost completely full of sand. So what the medical examiner ruled was that this was definitive proof that Michelle had been alive at the time that she sustained all of these injuries. Because that was most likely her actual cause of death was being underwater and taking in all of this sand if she was being drowned or she was drowning So, how does this all get explained by the examiner? Well, before I jump into what their recreation of the timeline is, any thoughts on just the discovery of that body? Um, Does it sound like a shark attack to you? I mean,
1: well, my first question was going to be, like, when they, like, did the leg look like it had been bitten off? Or did it look like it had been, like, cut off?
0: Mm, So, this is where, well, this is, like, the strangest part about that is because I guess a leg that is taken off by a shark does kind of look like a leg that has been cut off in a weird way. Okay. So I'll get into yeah. a little bit of what, um, there are some experts that kind of weigh in here, but specifically the only animal that would be strong enough to take a leg like that is a great white shark. But when a great mm-hmm. white bites off a limb, the bite is completely clean. And from what the experts are saying, it's like comparable to like if something was sawed on a table, like a clean, mm-hmm. clean break. That's not what this looked like. Which, yeah, which is where the suspicion comes from. So how does this get explained by the examiner? Now, a timeline of this suspected shark attack is assembled by the examiner, which suggested that sometime around midnight, Michelle entered the water on her own to go for a midnight swim, fully nude. Shortly after, while somewhat close to the shore, they think she was attacked by a great white shark, which dragged her under the water to the bottom of the ocean in that area where she sustained like all of the injuries, the broken neck, broken ribs, broken pelvis. And while down there, like at the floor of the ocean, she took a massive breath underwater right at the ocean floor, which is where all of that sand got in her stomach, her lungs, her throat. And then the shark took her leg, swam off. That is what they, they are projecting happened. It was then suspected that she probably bled out in the water. And while she was just floating there smaller blue sharks kind of fed on the body a little bit like Mm. over the course of the night like to the morning which is why like larger chunks of flesh were missing Mm. it's an extreme scenario but it seems possible like when when it's explained that way it's just insanely horrifying to read (laughs) a very rare case for us to cover shark attacks are already so extremely rare so this is a a very bizarre case
1: And I guess I was thinking, but we are in California. I was like, April, wouldn't the water be pretty darn cold? Like, don't sharks really come out to feed in warm water?
0: That? But also, who the hell would go swimming in that? It's so cold. Yeah,
1: exactly. It, like, the
0: whole, like, midnight swim thing gets contested by a lot of people because they're like, this, that does not make sense with the environment. It does not make sense with, like, anyone who knew. Like, nobody knew her to, like, just (laughs) go for midnight swims in the nude alone. Yeah, yeah, I but I mean maybe maybe it's something that she never disclosed to anybody but there's a lot here that just seems off. Now like I said there are some details in this explanation that seem to contradict some of the science around sharks and shark attacks that leave a lot to be explained. Now following the autopsy um the results are kind of called into question publicly and the examiner who performed this and ruled that it was a shark attack at the time had never actually performed an autopsy on a shark attack victim, which, as we said, is extremely statistically rare. I don't have that stat in front of me, but take my word. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So it was just odd based on the entire timeline that he's like throwing out that like things didn't make sense. He's like neglecting some key details about the environment. And he's like sort of force fitting this strange story about the shark attack because it just seems like it looks like that in black and white. Now, kind of what you said about how cold it was on the beach, the water actually would have been in the 50s that night, as would the air temperature. So it was extremely unlikely that a person would go skinny dipping in the ocean that cold It mm-hmm. from the get-go. It just seems strange. Now, Brian Blackburn was the examiner who was on this case at the time in the 90s, and he did try to do some, like, due diligence here because he knew that he had never seen a shark attack. So he takes the possible scenario while he's, like, crafting, like, this timeline together of what happened to Michelle, and he would end up contacting the Scripps Institute of Oceanography to get more information on shark attacks from the experts. Now, although they share with him, like, what they could, no one at that institute had ever actually seen her body. So it's purely from, like, descriptions. It's, like, lost in translation. It's, like, descriptions from the experts being like, well, this is possible with a shark attack, and this is possible. And it's, like, an examiner writing everything down being like, okay, okay, okay. I think this, like, fits the narrative that I'm building here kind of thing to, like, close the case. Mm-hmm. So once the examiner does officially, like, rule it a shark attack, that's when, like, all of the public outcry comes from the actual experts and they cast doubt. One of them would be Ralph Collier, who was a leading shark expert who spent 54 years at the shark research committee um, and eventually would head the global shark attack file. So he knows what he's talking about. He publicly yeah. disagrees with Blackburn's findings right from the start. Um, specifically, Ralph Collier insists that after seeing photos of her remains, specifically her leg bone, he feels this definitively could not have been a shark attack, specifically a great white shark. Now, her femur, like I was saying before, it's it's exposed, um, but it's not a clean break, like I was saying. Great white sharks, when mm-hmm. they bite down, it is an absolutely clean break. Hers was kind of oddly shaped like almost to a point which Hmm. yeah which actually could have suggested that it had been hit like many 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 times over and the bone was actually whittled to that shape so yeah it wasn't like something necessary like a clean bite from a shark but it was like someone took a weapon and was like hacking at a leg until it the bone had formed in that shape and the leg is never found he further suggests that the timeline of the attack also does not make sense. So there were no great white shark bites, like shark teeth found in the body. So in this scenario where the shark grabs her and then drags her down to the bottom of the ocean, it would have made sense, I think, if the shark grabbed her by the leg and dragged her down at first, and then eventually bites through. But based on where the leg was severed, it would have hit her, um, her femoral artery, I think? which actually would have caused her to bleed out and almost die instantly. But that doesn't make sense because according to the timeline that the examiner's putting out, she was alive when all of these injuries were inflicted and she would have had to have been alive because she has so much sand in her body. So she definitely took that breath underwater. So if we're assuming that the, the only feasible way that a shark could take a body down to the bottom of the ocean is grabbing something like the leg, because there's no other bites found on her body from a great white...
1: Mm-hmm.
0: it's just that one location she would have died like it would have cut the artery and she would have died before it even got her down to the bottom of the ocean all the other other injuries were sustained and she took that massive breath underwater so that timeline you know what i mean like that timeline doesn't really yeah. align it's a bit confusing but it's it's a good point but this doesn't this doesn't stick <laughs> i don't know how do you feel about that and so far
1: <laughs> and didn't you say her eyes were open when they found the body
0: Oh, yeah. But, I mean, anybody's eyes could be open after they're dead, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess I was just thinking, like, yeah, was she alive still? Oh, no,
0: no, 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 she was certainly dead, certainly dead.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 I mean, when the, um, like, if we're curious if she, like, actually took that last breath Mm -hmm. underwater, if she died instantly, like, it's pretty clear she was still alive,
0: yeah, no, ab- she absolutely yeah. was. I mean, if anything proves that, it's the sand in her, her body, I would yeah. say. Cause, yeah. But again, that just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like the whole, you know, like there's no other way that I can really explain that an animal could latch onto a part of the body that if it gets cut, you bleed out and die instantly. But somehow we're saying that like that happened first and then she took a breath underwater. So she was alive for several more minutes. does It yeah. doesn't line up.
1: Uh-uh.
0: So where are we now? So there's, like I said, there's no other like teeth marks or like body bodily injuries from this shark that took her down there. So we don't have any other evidence of the great white. It's a tough level of expertise. I think to go against with someone like Ralph Collier, because he's such an internationally recognized specialist in shark behaviors, particularly West coast behaviors. And he's published books on shark attacks. So if you're going to take somebody's word over the examiner, it would be him. Um, but he finds the evidence before him to be haunting because if she has no great white shark bites on the body, we can assume that a great white shark wasn't involved, even though a great white is the only thing that can explain the missing leg. So he's putting two and two together and realizing this, this doesn't seem like an animal attack. This seems like a homicide.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Ralph Collier is not the only person who actually questions Um, some of the legitimacy of this timeline and examination, we get Richard Rosenblatt, who is the chairman of the Scripps Institute, um, who this examiner, he reached out to. He was like the original person that he reached out to when he was like piecing the timeline together. But like once it comes out, that it's a shark attack, and then Rosenblatt gets to look at the evidence a bit further. He also disagrees. And he's like, this is not at all consistent with great white behaviors. So he ends up like first taking a step to obtain measurements of her wounds. And he says, none of this is consistent with a great white bite like the measurements quite literally don't even add up to anything any of the data Mm -hmm. that we have specifically from the lack of teeth found in the body which i did not know but it's statistically pretty rare when a great white attacks anything that it does not leave teeth inside of that thing i didn't know Mm -hmm. that but it has so many teeth that they like shed in the process of a bite
1: yeah they have like multiple rows of teeth yeah a ton a ton yeah so that makes sense
0: but he also calls out something else that's pretty interesting on timing here, which which I didn't hear about earlier. Great whites don't hunt at night. That's... You, you okay, kind of hinted I, on that when you were like, the cold temperatures at night wouldn't make sense for a great yeah, white, like, attack. There's,
1: there was something in the back of my mind because it, growing up in I mean, we had great whites occasionally that would come up on... Did you oh, see? Yeah. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. And, like, we would be, like, warned, you know, great white spotted. Because they... they Enough um, enough of them have been, like, I guess tagged at this point that, like, um, the Coast Guard is, like, aware if one gets really close to the shore. Anyways.
0: Ugh, I, I love was, modern like, technology. Something. That's what I need. I A know. tag shark. I know.
1: <laughs> A tag shark. <laughs> um, and so I couldn't remember what the thing was. But I, I thought that – I know that they usually come out at, like like, dusk, like 5 p.m., like later in the afternoon they like that's their feeding time but definitely not like that late at night because they need to be able to see what the hell they're looking for
0: yeah that's exactly what this guy was saying because i didn't know i mean maybe it's just my lack of shark knowledge but they hunt during the day because they rely on the sunlight to reflect through the surface because what they're looking at Mm -hmm. near the surface are silhouettes that's what they're hunting yeah because they have light activated Mm -hmm. retina so they're just looking it would have been impossible for a shark to like find a random girl swimming near the surface in pitch black you know like, it yeah, would have been incredibly be impossible. Incredibly impossible. Yeah. Did you have major fears of sharks growing up? I didn't know that you had sharks in, like, your hometown beach. I,
1: I... Did
0: you ever watch well, Jaws? This... As a kid? I feel like I was scared of, just, like, sharks. No.
1: No. Well, I mean, I knew about Jaws, and, like, I was very scared of sharks, but I it didn't really hit me until there was that surfer... Do you remember this? The girl Free that was so, the, uh, the surfer?
0: Not Free Solo. Bethany? What was her name? Ho- oh, no. Oh, my God. It was, like... My sister, my sister was obsessed with her, too.
1: Yes. We were all obsessed with her, but she got her arm bitten off, and then it was like...
0: <laughs> it made it real every, <laughs> It
1: was on everybody's radar. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, but I never... I mean, there were a couple of times I think people got attacked by sharks and... You're but I,
0: lying. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That... That was so far from like any. We all we went to like kit in like Rhode Island. So like sharks were never even a part of the conversation. <laughs> but yeah. but I had this irrational fear. But in the back of my mind, I was always like, well, nobody actually gets attacked by sharks. You actually had people in your town. Wow. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I think if I, I I don't know if they were great whites, but like oh, they are I'll do the definitely digging like
0: on this. I'll look it up. Bull
1: sharks. <laughs> like our our hometown soccer team was called the Hammerheads because hammerhead sharks are they don't bite though, but they're all over the area where i grew up that's
0: insane don't ever watch jaws you'll ruin yourself you'll ruin beaches for yourself
1: or go back and listen to episode one the lady of the (laughs) (laughs) Dunes.
0: i just i just archived that as like subscribers only i wanted to keep it premium for them because i was like that feels (gasps) like a special episode our very first episode so i was like you know what i want to make this accessible for only like premiums premium subs um so they can listen to it just them just for them
1: that's amazing so dylan parker
0: is technically our first episode
1: (laughs) Oh my God! Okay, well, become a premium subscriber and then go listen. And to a
0: perfect segue to a plugs too. Yeah,
1: you. yeah. Wow, Thank you so I'm getting much. good at this.
0: <laughs> well, okay. So let's recap now that we've talked about like some of the discrediting evidence on the shark attack because I think it, it seems pretty firm. Like it mm-hmm. did not happen. Yeah. So if we're recapping, only a shark is capable of this. Only a great white shark is capable of this specifically. Yet, there are no bite marks consistent with a great white, the leg does not look like a great white shark bite, and they do not hunt at night. These are all definitive things that we know. So what happened to Michelle in that water? Because of all the contradicting evidence against the initial findings, this case catches some momentum in, like, this space as far as, like, strange deaths, mysterious deaths, true crime. And there's a lot of public outcry to get the case re-looked at. So by 2008, her body is actually exhumed. And... Michelle's body is re-examined by a different examiner this time named Glenn Wagner, who definitively concluded there were shark bites found on the body, but those were the blue sharks, the tiny sharks that could not have taken the leg. Mm. Those were the only shark bites that were found on the body. So this person, Glenn Wagner, also can't sort of definitively rule one way or another. Like, they're they're walking a weird line here of uh, reapproaching a case that could have been like an un checked homicide, but also trying not to fully discredit like the findings and the expertise of the previous examiner who had done the examination back in the 90s. Um, but they can't definitively rule one way or the other what this could have been. However, on the matter of the great white, I think it feels pretty conclusive that that was not what took her leg. But it's not to say that her leg was taken by a person. There are some theories here that this could have been something even more bizarre or maybe environmental. So I was going to jump into some of the theories, but before I do, what what are your gut reactions to like what you think might have happened? Does this feel homicide? Does it feel sinister? Does it feel like strange, abnormal, almost impossible freak accident? It
1: feels well, I was curious when you mentioned that there were I, did you say bruises or anything like on her neck or a broken neck is Should what have you said? fully
0: broken neck, yeah.
1: Um
0: fully broken which, neck.
1: Totally could happen if you're, like, dragged down to the ocean floor quickly by an animal and get whipped and lashed around. But I guess when you said broken broken neck, my first thought was, like, oh, was she in the wrong place at the wrong time and someone attacked her and then – Like, right on the beach? Decided to make it – yeah, decided to make it look like a shark attack, like – That's true. Or drown her. I did
0: wonder in the case of homicide, you can tell me what you think about this, but I was curious if like the whole shark attack thing was something that was partially, if this was a homicide, if it was partially perpetuated by her attacker to sort of set the body up to make it look like that. I don't know how they would have planned that other than just making sure that the body was found in water and maybe like the removal of the clothing. The removal and like missing clothing is also strange we should talk about because I don't think any of the clothes are ever found. Like, so they're assuming if this was a shark attack that they're just lost to the ocean. Um But that would not make sense to me if she was skinny dipping because when you take off your clothes to skinny dip, you don't bring them in the f- water with you.
1: Yeah, you'd you have left them behind. You'd yeah, have been on the shore. Like, exactly. It feels like she was in the wrong place at the wrong time and somebody tried to, I don't know, maybe sexually assault her or something mm-hmm. and then, or just wanted to have a murderous spree and then was like okay how do i make this look like I, I almost feel like they drowned her first and then they decided to
0: make it look like a shark attack well i think they also ruled that out too because from at least from the examiner's report that i read that they were pretty definitive that her injuries were sustained while she was still alive
1: like even the lead being cut off i think so yeah Oh, my
0: God. Yeah, that's why I'm, That's why. Holy the sh- thought of, like, homicide around this is very bizarre because it's if we're th- assuming, like, what you're saying, that it's, like, a random person who found her or tried to assault her, it is particularly gruesome to do something like this unplanned and in a matter of hours. And there's also no additional yeah. evidence of it, like, on the beach, you know? That's
1: what I was going to ask. Like, you'd probably have, like, blood and stuff around or footprints and, like, now I am kind of thinking maybe it was a shark attack because... Unless you have more about that, like...
0: I have a few other things. I mean, I can jump into some of these theories, because some of them don't even involve either scenario. Well, the first one that I think could be challenging to explain, but I'll I'll put it out there anyway. (laughs) So this is the riptide theory. Now, this theory suggests that Michelle did go for that midnight swim. So if we're assuming she took off her clothes, like the trench coat and stuff at the shore, maybe the tide just got it and, like, pulled it in later at some point. Like, she didn't bring the clothes with her into the water. But she... Got caught in a riptide is what this theory is suggesting in the middle of the night. Nobody was around to help her or save her. So her body got thrown up against rocks, which caused the majority of her injuries. Eventually, somehow being so violent that it took her leg. I don't really know if that's, I I don't know enough about it to even say if that's physically possible to just be slammed up against a rock so hard that your entire leg rips off. Um, Which is why this theory is a little like, transparent. Um, yeah. but this was like the first like thing called into question because it seems like there's, there's a lack of evidence on either side of this being homicide or shark attack. So people are trying to fill in the gaps of some of the injuries. Um, I think the more plausible version of this could actually be the cliff fall theory. Um, mm. so this next one actually, cause I, I'm kind of grouping these in together. It could kind of suggest the same thing that like some of those injuries were sustained by a riptide, but Some of them are so severe that you almost assume something worse must have happened to her. Now, this theory suggests that Michelle might have sustained the injuries and died as the result of an unfortunate tumble from the Sunset Cliffs, which is where her body was found. And this area is known for having, like, beautiful views, but deteriorating sandstone, and there have been a lot of previous deaths of people who have fallen from these cliffs. So it's possible that she could have received the injuries if she fell or was pushed, off that cliff, or even if a vehicle forced her off the cliff and on the way down is when maybe her leg hit the rock, that probably would have had enough force to, like, rip off a leg, maybe. Yeah. And then the other injuries are just when she hits the water. The sand doesn't really make sense in that theory, though, does it? I was
1: just going to ask about the sand.
0: Yeah. It's like, some of these things explain one factor, but the sand, truly, truly, to me, is definitive proof that she was held underwater by something. Yeah. Far fetched yes. for me to think it was an animal, more plausible for me to think it was a person.
1: Yeah. Or what if she fell? Like do these cliffs like you would fall off, you go straight into the water?
0: I think I think they're pretty high up actually, and I think no, at the base there's a bunch of rocks. So, let me actually okay. look them up. Sunset
1: cliffs. Yeah, I wonder if she fell, hit the rocks and then could she have tumbled into the water
0: like yeah that's the thought i think i mean i think there's ocean at the bottom it's just ocean and rocks um yeah at points at this they look very high and i guess if like the tide is changing yeah you could definitely like hit the hit the base and go straight into the water for sure still still does not explain to me unless she was just nude from the jump it does not explain how she was found without her clothes those don't just come off in the water no it doesn't work like that
1: and they didn't they didn't find her clothes ever no
0: Leg was never found. Clothing was never found. But I do have something strange here that was found that might might pique your sleuth radar. Her okay, purse, is I'm found. Ready. purse is found. Purse is <gasps> found And its two and a half miles from where the body is found, and it's it's found placed in a very very public location. So it was amazing that it was still there, almost like it was planted after the fact, like after the body was found, because it's found within twenty four hours of her body being found. And there's nothing missing from it. Cash is inside. I think her ID, her keys. That's, that's, that's leaning more weird. on this. Yeah, that's leaning more on the side of homicide to me.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, maybe I should jump into the homicide theory or the foul play theory. Because there's some additional information here that I've been withholding from you that I think would beef this up a bit. Let's see.
1: Does she have a boyfriend?
0: No. Even worse. She has a stalker. Okay. <gasps> mm-hmm. okay. So... The theory of foul play. Now, the scenario of murder seems the most plausible to explain these strange injuries, particularly why the body is found nude, I think. One of the most supportive details is that Michelle's purse is found. We know that two and a half miles away from the body. But who would have been our person of interest in this case? So the first person they looked at was Edwin Decker, who was a co-worker of Michelle's. And when he was questioned, he claimed that Michelle had this hippie vibe and that she liked to surf naked. Now, this is the first, like, strange detail that comes from anybody who knew her, who talked about her, like, being in the water, of skinny dipping, surfing nude, because none of her friends agreed with this statement. They were like, that's not true. And there were no lifeguards were questioned, too. And they were like, we have never once seen this woman, like, surfing or, like, surfing nude or anything like that. So it was just a strange statement that came from this one dude. And it seemed almost like he was trying to plant a seed. To explain, like, why her body would have been found nude. Because that's a strange detail. Um, but he eventually kind of falls out of interest. Because I think he's actually one of the lead people who would advocate for the for them to exhume her body and reopen the case in 2008. Because he also does not believe this is, like, a black and white shark attack. So that kind of, like, edges him out of suspicion a little bit. But he was just saying some weird yeah. shit at the time. He was, like... He claimed that he and Michelle had gone out together. And they had been flirting with each other for weeks, and he said that he believed the two shared an emotional and intellectual bond. And then went on to say, "At least on my part." <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh-oh. he just sounds a little, he sounds like maybe a little psycho, and he's yeah, he was little, just in love with yeah, in love rolling. with her. Um, yeah, but I don't know if he is the person. I think this other avenue might be might be our way in. So. Okay. Michelle was a former employee of a local coffee shop, while, and while working there, an unknown man had constantly stalked her. This is where the stalker conversation comes in, and it got so bad that she actually left the job because of this guy. His name is never known. Um, she never knew who he was. He, she just knew that he was pursuing her consistently, but what she did know about him was that he rode a motorcycle. He had either mentioned that or she saw that. So after she leaves that job at the coffee shop and she starts working at an office supply store before she dies, she thought she'd escaped the stalker. We get a testimony after her death from Denise Knox. This is Michelle's former boss at the supply store. She stated that shortly after Michelle's death, a strange man came into that store and made several copies of a woman's autopsy report, which she believed to be Michelle's autopsy report. And she further stated, this woman, that as she, like, watched him and, like, watched the guy leave, he rode away in a motorcycle. Strange.
1: Also, was that a motorcycle outside of your door? <laughs> just
0: was there? Window.
1: I just heard the sound of a car. It was like, vroom, vroom. I actually
0: have a soundboard here, and I'm including I'm
1: And including, you're including it. Yes. Okay. Good, good. That was so funny. Um well i'm still okay, laughing at the
0: chowchilla episode where you thought i pulled out a gallon of milk
1: <laughs> i forgot about that oh my god honestly you need to have a soundboard just one of these episodes and just absolutely wreck me and be like i don't know what you're talking about loki
0: though i think there is one in this system that we recorded actually i think there is like something that no we can, yeah we can add like stupid corny like sitcom sounds like applause like Boo. But I would, that would never do that Dead. for a case like this. It's so, so tacky uh, and terrible. Oh my god.
1: I, okay, here's my thing with the stalker. How? how like, how would he? F- no, I guess he would have been following her like to all the throughout con- the night. Yeah, to the like, concert maybe. Like to the concert.
0: Mm. That's what I'm and thinking. I wonder
1: if, like, what if Michelle was like, "Can you drop me off at the pier? So she could, like, walk. I don't know. Like, maybe she was a little bit suspicious that somebody was following her.
0: Yeah. Well, wait, so she would want to walk at the pier if she thought somebody was following her?
1: Yeah, maybe she wanted to be like, can you drop me off so, like, I can... So, like, they're not, like, waiting for me at my house or something. Like, if they had known that she had gone to this concert or something and then they they figured out where she lived. I don't know. That seems exponentially more dangerous.
0: Oh, my God. Well, I mean... That's a good point, too. Yeah. I mean, she definitely knew, if this is all true, that she had a stalker. But I don't know if she knew that... It sounds like she switched jobs thinking that she had lost him. Like, he lost her trail because she's like, well, he doesn't know where I work, then I'm good. But yeah, he couldn't. very well could have been following her all that night. Even crazier to think he could have been... No, that wouldn't make sense. (laughs) It was like, he could have been the scalper. That wouldn't have made I sense. I was just thinking
1: that. I <laughs> well, was just thinking No, because
0: Michelle was the one who bought the tickets, so she would have she recognized him. But that would have been, exactly. like, the start of yeah. a plan, though, for sure. If, like, if Coco had been the one who bought the tickets and this guy, like, purposefully sells them faux tickets, knowing that, like, she's going to be leaving this place at, like, 8 p.m. Yeah. I don't know. Between the purse being found, the strange, the strange injury on the leg and her being found nude and all of this back information on the stalker... I feel like it's really firm that this is a homicide case, but a lot of people would contest yeah. that.
1: I'm curious too. I wonder how many stalkers like really like how long they they prey on their victims before they decide to kill them. Like how long do they want to keep them alive? Or better
0: yet, how many stalkers actually want to kill their victims? I did not exactly. think that that was a yeah. like a part of stalking that you like end the one thing that you're pursuing. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the stat... Or unless maybe... Maybe that happens if they feel the brunt of rejection. That becomes, like, too much. Yeah, Like, the second that, like... Because it sounds like it was a very clear move for her to, like, leave her job. She was sending a message, like, I know that you're following me. I know that you're stalking me. I want nothing to do with you. I don't know. Well, there are... I mean... Some people have pitched a theory. I don't know if there is anything to support this, but some people are saying, what if it wasn't a stalker? Maybe it was somebody that she was seeing at one point and he was a a little bit crazy and it was kind of like a a hidden jealous ex thing. And maybe she was planning to see him or meet him. I don't know how that would have been orchestrated because she would have had to... Yeah, I
1: was just going to say.
0: I don't know. I also... It's just... It's strange to think, like if we're going off of the stalker theory, how all of these injuries were sustained and there's no trail of it on the beach or does evidence really just get like washed away within a matter of hours
1: the whole nudity component like really it's just it just spins this in a totally different direction because it Mm -hmm. feels like she was out there swimming with someone i don't know why
0: i know maybe that's just her own thing like we can't even imagine like skiddy dipping in the ocean alone i'm not trying to go in the ocean anyway Let alone, like, Uh, alone at night. Hell no. (laughs) Do you think the ocean is scarier than a lake? Which is scarier to you now in your adulthood? Lake. Really? Specifically because of, like, critters (laughs) in there? Or is it, like...
1: (laughs) Critters. Chowchillas. Um.
0: (laughs) The underwater chowchillas.
1: (laughs) You know what it is about a lake? It feels... Yeah, I feel like my whole argument here is going to be so, like counter to what most people would say to me the ocean feels like I kind of ex- I know what's expected I know how it flows I know that you come back I know that like what kind of things are normally in the ocean whereas like a lake to me just feels so like deep and dark and like I don't know how deep it is and I don't know like it's also who's around kind of like, disgusting like, if yeah. you think about it like lakes, and, gross. Lakes and gross. are
0: kind of yeah. gross when you really think they about them Like, we always had, like, clean sections of the lake that were, like, roped off for us. If you go to, like, a lake when you're a kid or something. But the more I think back on it, the more I'm like, that was dirty ass, like, still water.
1: Like, yes. Still water. Oh, my God. Still water. And when your foot hits the, like, Mm. muddy. That
0: sludge at the bottom.
1: Oh, God.
0: Yeah, I I hate it. What's crazy is like, I've taken like a lot of trips now and we've gone to like the Sequoias and everybody's always like, oh, we've got to factor in like a lake, like a lake day. We got to go to the lake. We got to swim. And I'm like, I don't want to do that.
1: Yeah. Now, maybe it's because you and I grew up around some, some gross lakes. (laughs) Because I will say I went to a friend's um, wedding last year and one of her things was like a lake day. And it was the most beautiful lake I've ever seen in my entire life. It was like an ocean. But that was out in Montana. I was like, okay, this is way <laughs> different than a damn lake in, you know, middle of nowhere, North Carolina or Georgia. Like, oh, that was a different story.
0: Go, for sure. I forgot where I was. I think it was somewhere in Nevada. And I, like, stopped off at, like, Lake Mirror. No, it's, it had to be some other lake. I don't know why I went there. And it was, like, the sh of the sh lakes like so stony (laughs) so rough so filthy and i was like really trying to convince myself in my like floaty that i was having a peaceful wonderful day and it was foul it smelled foul
1: (laughs) it's just oh god you know it's the worst what a man-made lake
0: i'm sick. sick i don't want anything to do with it i am sick i'm going to a rooftop pool (laughs) i'm going to the ymca pool (laughs)
1: rather be in a inflatable kiddie pool than a man-made, like,
0: okay. People get, like, precious about pools, too. I know we've gone way off the topic of Michelle Bonhamster, but I need a little bit of relief. <laughs> Give me a sliver of relief. Yeah. Um, yes. I was at lunch yesterday with somebody, and she was mentioning, she's a pool, and she was mentioning um, that a rat got into their pool and drowned, and she was like, yeah, she was like, so I called the pool guy, and we had to, like, completely shock the pool. And me being, like, a former pool boy when I was 19, I was like you cared about a rat. I was like, do you know the things I found in that pool <laughs> when I was working for that apartment oh complex? God. And I didn't do I shit. I was going to say, where were you a pool boy? <laughs> when I worked at that apartment complex. I was 19. I was in college.
1: Oh my God. Yes, it was yes, like yes. my summer
0: gig and it was like a luxury apartment complex. And I had never, ever done anything. I didn't know how to run a pool or like properly chlorinate it. So they gave me one day with like the people who helped build the pool to like explain everything to me. And if something contaminates the water you're supposed to shock the pool like dump in a ton of chlorine but like some mornings like yeah you'd find like critters in the pool (laughs) and you just fish them out i'm like i'm not gonna shut down the pool for three days to wait for all the chlorine to like dissipate because a rat was found in the filter
1: Oh my God. A rat. Oh, the God.
0: most dangerous thing to find in a pool though is like broken glass. Like if somebody drops a wine oh, glass I because bet. it's yeah. so difficult to retrieve and it's such a liability. There were, the, you would love the story. There were these like two girls, they had to be in like their early twenties who were like hanging poolside. Um, I don't think either of them had an apartment there. They were like there with a friend kind of thing who, and they were drinking so heavily by the pool stew. Not only did they drop two wine glasses into the pool, luckily which did not shatter, they projectile vomited all over the <gasps> deck. <laughs> no. I'll never forget my manager. I can't say her name, but I wish I could. She literally walked out, the funniest woman I've ever met, and just grabbed the bottles out of their hand and she was like, trashy. To the girls, she's like, trashy. <laughs> and walked away. And they're trashy. like, they're sitting there like vomit like pooled down their chest. These girls in bikinis, Stop. like they're gone, obliterated midday on a Sunday at the community pool at this apartment complex. That's so
1: not a good look.
0: My instruction was to go out. She goes, go out, start hosing the deck and try to get the girls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I thought she was going to say, hose the girls down.
0: <laughs> they need, uh... they came, And they literally came up to me and I, I like went out and confronted them. I was like, are you the girls who vomited? And they were like, Yeah. And I was like <laughs> And I was like, Is that it? All under you, like and on you? And she was like, Yeah. And I was like Yeah. Yeah, that's what it looks like.
1: Was this Ariana Grande you were hosting off? you like, yeah. <laughs>
0: just That's just something like a, a weird combination of like deep yeah. disappointment in themselves and embarrassment and just like yeah. That yeah that was us Yeah. Yeah Yeah and I hosed that deck down. I got that pool back up and running and open. And I, di- I did my job.
1: <laughs> I-, I bet you were a great pool boy.
0: <laughs> I-, I think I was employed, I don't know, partially for the, the image of having a pool, the pool. boy there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was such an easy job because it was after hours. So there's nobody like manage you. So you would just like go there and like, I don't know, like f- around for a few hours. I would take naps. Yeah. This is terrible to say. That's amazing. Because there was like a pool, like a little pool boy house. And I would just like nap for a lot of the shift because there's nothing to do after you like check the chemicals. But I can't believe I'm saying this. I would go into like the model units of like the apartment complex. The ones that were like fitted with like furniture for walkthroughs because they had the nice beds. So if I went into nap during my shift, (laughs) I would go into the model unit and just like crash in the bed. I literally overslept one night, woke up, it was, because I was supposed to leave there by like 8.39 every night, I woke up, it was like 1 or 2 a.m., I had like fully slept over in a, mo- <laughs> fully slept over in a model unit in this apartment complex, and I was so disoriented and like freaked out, I was like, oh my god, I gotta get out of here.
1: <laughs> you were like, oh, I'll just go back to bed for my shift tomorrow.
0: God, yeah, I was like, I gotta be up here at like 8 a.m. anyway, <laughs> <laughs> God.
1: Oh my lord. It was fun.
0: Did you ever have a job like that in college? What were your jobs in college?
1: I worked at um anthropology.
0: Yes. Like she was an anthro girl. Oh yeah. I have so much more respect and... for them because of you. Because I know that you oh, you God. deigned to work there.
1: It was hell. Was you, it? It would be it would be it was hell. You would be on call. So like we're F***ing surgeons or something be on call for like shifts on a Saturday and like I would I'll, my friends will never let me forget this I was on call quote unquote for our um, last day of classes my like junior year mm-hmm. where everybody like goes to frat parties and gets like wasted well, yeah and so yeah and so I was like oh I've never been called before to be on call so like I'm just gonna get drunk I'm in a party today like they're not gonna call me of course, the one effing time that I get called in, I and I had just—I like—I had literally just slammed a shot of tequila down my gullet, and I was like, and then I got got the call. I saw my phone, and I was like, no, there's no way. And I remember Did my stomach drop? Was like, oh, Were you God, like, Sh-? dropped, <laughs> dropped? I was like, not only my. Gonna have to go into work. I'm gonna get a f-ing DUI. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I, just, I was like, oh my god, how much time do I have to sober up? I remember being in tears. I was like, <gasps> and then getting there and like having to work and it being just the worst day ever. I remember just hating it, but they did give great discounts. And I spent my that's whole what made page it right there. It. Some of
0: their is really cute. Yeah. I'll give it to him, it's cute, but I hate that story that you just told me because that is so foul. Yeah. <laughs> Also, can we make gullet a common word on this podcast? I'm happy that you used it after <laughs> I used it, but gullet. You,
1: it, you've inspired me.
0: I think gullet is something. I've used it for a couple of years now and it's failed to catch traction with most of my friend groups, but I think <laughs> that we can really make gullet happen. People are finally, I've noticed people on TikTok are finally using the word foul, which I've been saying for years. Yes. Foul is such a good word to use for everything.
1: You've said foul since I've, do you know what you also used to say? I don't know if you still say it, but you used to say all the time, that is wretched.
0: Yes, wretched.
1: <laughs> like, I would be like, I, like, literally, I would say, um, oh, my God, poor Tommy. Every single time I think about tour, I think about any place that he would choose for us to go out to eat. And I would be, like, with him driving, and I would come back to you later and be like, he made us stop at a long John Silver's and you'd shut be up, like, shut that's up. wretched.
0: No. Oh, that's so <laughs> wretched. I think it t- it takes me back to like, I don't it, it feels colonial in a weird way. <laughs> you yes. wretched woman wretched. kind of thing. Like that's like,
1: wretched wench. W- Yeah,
0: she's a witch kind of thing. That's why I think it's so yeah. funny.
1: <laughs> it's so good.
0: Wretched. I'm gonna have to bring that one back too. I'm sure there's a lot of those that we used to you have on to. tour. We'll have, we'll slowly reintroduce them to the podcast. We have to. Oh my Lord. Well, Stu, that is really all I have on the story of Michelle Von Emster. Thank you for indulging in a little bit of reprieve there. Cause I feel like we needed it. Cause it is a mysterious oh my death. Final thoughts. Do you think this was something that is an Occam? I mean, it's abnormal, but it could be Occam's razor. <laughs> and we're like, maybe it is just some kind of a freak shark accident that was also exacerbated by injuries in the water. Or is this something truly sinister foul play?
1: I'm really stumped on this one. Um, I don't know. My gut says something's off. Cause why was her purse so far away, and why was she nude? I guess she was skinny dipping, but like in April. I know why. I know.
0: Water fifty-seven. Do you know how cold that is? Like fifty-seven degree water. That's a, that's really yeah. cold. You'd be, yeah. And like the air temperature is just as cold. It's like when you get out, it's not like you're warming up or anything. No. She's gonna like come out soaking wet, get her clothes back on, and then just start walking six blocks.
1: Something about that's not right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so I guess that's... How do you feel about it?
0: I think that there are two things that can be true. I don't think the shark attack makes sense. Um, I think that it's very possible that she could have been murdered. And then I think additional injuries happened maybe after the fact in the water. As far as like... I don't know, some of the cosmetic things like lacerations on the face and, like, scrapes on the body. That's – something like that could have happened in the water over the course of a few hours if the body is drifting. I don't know. I don't know. It does seem really – it just seems really sinister. And I'm curious to see if there's anything else that will come out about this in the next couple of years, if anybody else is probing on the case. Because the case continues to get, like, reintroduced in, like, platforms like this where people talk about it um, on true crime podcasts and episodes on YouTube because it's just – there's something off about it something feels missed yeah it's old at god, this point too like 30 the, years pretty much
1: yeah and if somebody was involved like oh my god they got out so scot free yeah like, seriously which makes you think it was random because it's like there was no there like there was nobody they like really pointed to other than the stalker I guess and, so. like and like We didn't know who it was, right?
0: Yeah. No, that's true. We will examine this again. Should we revisit this episode like a while from now? Maybe if there's another break in the case. There are a lot of podcasts that do that where we like, you start an episode with like your first initial reaction like this and then as something develops, or if it doesn't, you revisit it with like a fresh eye a year down the line. This might be one that I feel like we'll do that we with.
1: should and we should replay back how much off topic at the end we got
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is pure first of all, that's for us to like give ourselves a little break, but I think it's also helpful for creepers who are listening because yes. they they've reached out and they're like, we appreciate some of like the lighter and comedic moments of the podcast the pod we're getting recategorized by the way through spotify. I don't know if you told I told you that,
1: oh my God, no because we're
0: only listed as true crime, but then I was talking to like. I'm not gonna name. You. I was talking to somebody at Spotify, yeah. and they, I was like, you know, the podcast is actually pretty comedic. Um, but we also cover history too, and I guess we're getting yeah. rebranded as like all three.
1: Wow! So we're
0: a comedy podcast, a true crime podcast, and we're a historical archive.
1: We are, <laughs> and we're also wretched. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: that's what I'm changing our name to: <laughs> Wretched the <laughs> Podcast. that's actually such a great name holy shit it
1: really is
0: damn all right well thank you so much for joining me on this conversation around this mysterious death of michelle von emster we might revisit it down the line but with that i think we can probably sign off and we'll catch everybody next week on a friday episode yeah yeah all right well goodbye everybody tune in next week Stu and i will say see you later have a great friday and weekend